Oh boy, I'm a little cracked open. <laughs> I think I'm just going to stand here and let tears run down my face. Whose is that? It's mine now. <laughs> um, wow, you, can, you know, God puts a message on your heart and uh, you sit with it sometimes all alone and you wonder whether... Oh, can somebody restart that sermon clock? Andrew's already used up half an hour. <laughs> that's, that's not when I'm not beginning at 34 minutes in. No, no, that starts with 35 and comes down. Oh, does it? <laughs> Oh, it's getting, it's getting less. Oh, 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 I was counting up. I'm like, give me a break. Oh, 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 well, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And, and there are times when you say, Father, you've put this in my heart. It's a beautiful thing. But is it, is it going to be for today? Fresh manner for today? And Andrew, you, you, in that prayer for the men, you stole the heart of my message, even my scripture. It's just beautiful when you see that stuff line up. Yeah. So I'm greatly encouraged. Yeah, I am greatly encouraged. Um, I, I don't have a Father's Day message. Um, Andrew asked me to speak, and it was a, lot, a long time later when we, he rang me up and said, Roscoe, it's actually Father's Day. And I'm like, oh. And he's like, are you cool to speak then? I'm like, yeah, I am. But I, I have to go with the manner that God has put in my heart. Yeah? Um, because it'll be good for everybody, male or female, on the day, in the season. So that's where I'm coming from. And yet it is quite beautiful for the masculine hearts in our midst, as well as the feminine hearts. Um, I want to talk about identity theft. Um, just recently, I had my Facebook account hacked. It was taken over by an individual somewhere near Perth, is what it said, when we started to track this person down. Um, so it was within the country. It happened in daylight hours, and, uh, and I couldn't get in there. They changed passwords. They put a different email on it. I, there was no way I could get in and, and take it back. Um, and they started to talk to other people like they were me. And um, it was a little bit of a crisis, just a little bit, but to set the context, um, leading up until that, a whole lot of other warfare had been breaking out around me already. Um, and in, in reality, whilst it was an inconvenience and I needed some rescuing from it and it could have felt a lot worse because don't just call it a first world problem. This, this, this is how we connect more and more and more. We have a society in which these things do play an increasingly important role. Unfortunately, we don't live in a village where we all wander the streets and bump into each other. We do need these things, and you can isolate somebody horrifically in this day and this age and this time via that. It's how we connect. Destroy the connection. You can destroy an awful lot within that person. Um, but it, there was so much going out on around me, breaking out around me, coming against me, that it was actually an overplay of our enemy's hand. I'm going to speak about our enemy a fair bit today, not to glorify him, but to expose yeah. the deeds. Yeah? 
because we love to pretend he's not there. Um, but he is. And before I launch into that, um, this stealing of my identity, behaving like it was me, this person, um, in a bad way. You know, there were people who knew me well and went, and my daughter went, Dad, it was so obvious it wasn't you. You know, and I, I, I took great... I took great warmth and encouragement out of that, that those who knew me went, this is ridiculous. You wouldn't be like that. Ah, I am known. Psalm 139, verse 1 to 16. I'm going to read from it. It's going to appear up here from the director of music of David, a psalm. It's beautiful. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise and you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. And you are familiar with all my ways. Yeah? Before words even on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. Huh? You hem me in behind and in front and before and you lay your hand upon me. These are beautiful words. Beautiful. Beautiful words, yeah. Such knowledge is too wonderful and lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Yeah, if I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Yeah, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and obscure me and the light will become like night around me, even the darkness, it won't be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you, you created my inmost being. You knit me together. In my mother's womb. Yeah? I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's been said three or four times here this morning already. Here's the centerpiece of what God wants to say to your heart today. You are fearfully and wonderfully and beautifully made. Uh, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together yeah, in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days a name for me were written before one of them even came to be. So... Talking about identity theft, there's, there's a couple of ways I've, that I've seen in my six decades here on planet Earth that we lose our identity. One of them is very slowly. There's a kind of creep. Okay? And the other is, is moments when we, and there are often moments when we lose or can lose an awful lot. And I want to speak into both. Firstly, though, the slow, the slow stuff. Yeah? Um, and it just happens throughout life. And I want to use a metaphor to kind of paint that picture and that understanding. Um, you may have heard people say, I don't mean to labour this point. Well, 
this morning I do mean to labour this point. Yeah? I want to look at it from a bunch of directions and point it out in as many places as I can to expose the scheme of our enemy, but also some of our gullibility and some of the sleep that we walk in as well. Yeah? And so I'm going to use the metaphor of acting. We lose stuff slowly, often, here it is, through the roles that we are given. Think of a play. Think of a movie. Yeah? People get given roles, okay? Rob, you're, you're the... Um, what do you want to be? You, you can be the... F- no, no, he can be the... You can be the bartender, okay? So you're the bartender. So, right, oh, you've got this ginger beer. You can be the bartender. Uh, Sam, you can be our, our handsome young, you know, hero kind of thing. Um, I've got to be careful with the next one. <laughs> um, you know, there's a whole... Steve, you can be uh, sound tech. Um, yeah, we, we get, in, in a movie, people get given the roles. You know, there's, there's, there's the villain... And they're not, they're not villainous in real life. Um, and, and, you know, and then we get the helpless female, then we get the mother-in-law, and the, or we get the strong female, you know, or the beauty, or Andrew, you the comic relief. Think, <laughs> think scaled up Danny DeVito. Um, <clears throat> did I nail that or what? <laughs> You've got the role. You've got the role, mate. Don't even need to audition. Um, <laughs> and 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 in in movies they they give everybody the role and um and and they go off and they do their best to embody that role to become that person it is something that they are not necessarily some of their roles of course might be really close to who they already are but they'll go out and they'll study it and i want to just paint how this same sort of thing happens with us yeah they they do their best and we do our best to play the roles that we are given. And often, uh, I don't want to lean on this, but where I see this start to happen in a person's life and story, most overtly, most strongly, is when they start working. There's a whole bunch of other little identities that people are brought along in um, before that time, and I will get to that. But when they start working, up until that point, they've often just been a schoolboy, or a girl, or they've, they've entered the teenage years and there's an identity around that that some of them play a little too well. And, uh, you know, but, but as they start working, I've seen it many, many times when people adopt a certain vocation, things really change. Things really, really shift. And I remember coming to the end of school and suddenly I was a tradesman. And there was a whole lot of stuff that went with that. I had to learn how to make desert boots work for me. You know, I had to figure out how to look good in a singlet. I was in Queensland, right? (laughs) When you're this hairy, you know, it's just, it's all wrong on a whole lot of levels. You know, how do I make that work without waxing in the 80s, you know? (laughs) And... uh, you know, but, but, but we see it within, within vocations, you know, there comes every, everyone's wearing these sort of clothes and it's different from trade to trade, you know, and, uh, and, and we drive certain kinds of cars. You know, if you're going to be a tradesman, well, you can't turn up in that, 
You know, you've got to, you've got to have this. And, the, and we start to look around each other and we see what the others are doing and we start to do it. You, we, 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 take, we start wearing fluoro in our time off and, and, and things like that, you know. We were, we, we, and it's a costume. When you bring it back to the metaphor of the play and the acting, we are wearing a costume, yeah? And we start to talk in certain ways and we start to use certain terms that we pick up from the people around us. We even hand up with certain types of friends, if we're honest. You know, there's quite a shift that can happen there. We drive particular cars and we even holiday, use our recreational time in certain ways. Um, I do see it most overtly in the trades. And every trade has a certain look and a certain uniform. And it's even there, say, in hairdressers, there's a certain way that they kind of look. You know, you have to show that you're always thinking about what hair's going to do. I don't know. You, you seem to have to have a certain black flowing nature to you. And, um, you know, and smell of... They, they smell all kind of similar, you know. Um, we see it in office workers. You know, everyone starts strong. Oh, OK, I better figure out how to make black slacks work. You know, and, uh, and, and things like that. We see it in clerical staff. You know, there's, there's an understatement. There's a concept. We see it even in, in CEOs. It goes right to the top. There's a certain way to look, way to behave. The role requires this approach, that approach. We see it in entrepreneurs. A certain level of a little bit of flash, you know, and a little bit of differentness in the way we talk. We see it in artists. I went through art college right in the middle of it all. You know, we see it in musicians, etc., 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 and it's even there in the role of being a dad. Yeah. Boom. Suddenly, we're surrounded by children, and there's a role there, and the confusion. I'll get to that later. And it's there in being a mum as well. We start to watch. Oh, I need to do this. I need to have a pram of this. Rigidity and strength and capacity and dollar value, you know, etc., etc. It goes on. And um, guys, we need to have a certain adeptness with fixing things or uh, that around the house. Um, there it all is, you know, as we start to work. Um, now I want to go back, but it does start younger than that. It's all there as we're coming through. Um, this take on a role. I remember at a certain age, somebody told me, wow, Ross, you are so grown up. And I remember just standing there kind of just feeling so proud and so smug and thinking, well, I got here first. You know, I guess they'll catch up. Losers, you know. <laughs> I was 12, you know. <laughs> it was like, oh, but it so esteemed me and I wanted to be that. And it, it, I, it was, yeah, you're grown up now, you know. Um, but it's there, this thing of giving them roles. It's there even in the ones who draw pretty pictures being called artists. You know, it's the ones who love to just move around the house being called dancers, you know, and the ones who, who love to run and jump and be outdoors and that being called sporty, you know, or athletic um, these, these things, and the ones that just have to tinkle on, on an instrument being called musical, you know, and, 
And then when, the, when, when people point these things out, it's not a bad thing. It's often in, an encouragement. But then we start to look at the people around us. We start to find people that are similar to us. We flock together and we behave in certain ways around them. And it's mostly really good. But for those of us who are watching, um, there are times where we kind of, what they're throwing themselves into makes perfect sense. It is congruous with who they are. But with others, you kind of go, oh, oh, I hope that's a short season or a short passion. Uh -huh. wonder where that hobby is going to go. It's not congruous with who they are. There's a beautiful thing about being on the planet for this long because so many of you, we have known when you were little, when you were tiny, when you were a boy or a girl, um, and we saw the unedited, free version of you, the natural you. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Plenty of grey heads nodding. It's a lovely thing. It's a privilege to behold. And, be, and in that way, we know you. Yeah, We know the natural version of you. Um, the Jesuits used to say... And, for kind of similar reasons, it become a little creepy with history. But they would say, you know, give me a boy until he's seven. And I will show you the man. Yeah? And what they were saying is, you know, pretty much by now, by here, by seven, this is, this is who they are. It's, it's all to be seen. You now have a prequel of the grown man, a prequel of the grown girl, woman. Yeah? Here it all is. It's all basically here. This is the nature of this person, of this child. And it's a beautiful thing when you, when you look at it from that. Um, but it can be a bit more subtle, this, this thing of um, us being kind of given roles to play. It can be a little more subtle too than just being an artist or a jock or a dancer, or whatever, you know, just those, those things based on our talents. It can be there in, you are mummy's little strong boy, you know, or your mummy's good boy, or your mummy's thoughtful boy, or you are mummy's caring boy, you know, which is a lovely affirming thing in it, but the heart of a child can hear that and start to take that role and play that out, you know? And sometimes that, that's kind of where it starts. It's almost like trainer wheels kind of things, you know? What people say about us, we kind of, ah, oh, esteems us. We carry it and we run with it, and, and, and it sort of narrows the track a little bit. It narrows the field. Um, and I think there can be, for, for many of us, there can be a bending that already starts there. You know, that, um, no, I'm a good boy. I'm a, I, and it, it, it's there in you are daddy's dependable girl. Yeah? Or daddy's best friend. You know? Um, or daddy's brave girl. And we, we work our way into that role. And sometimes with the long game in devastating results. It's there in being the eldest child 
You ever seen that too? The older one just gets the gig. The first one out is in charge of whoever else comes. And there's a whole lot of stuff that just comes with that territory. You know? And then the next ones, they kind of they get a role all of their own. <laughs> all I have to do is make eldest child look like a bit of an idiot and I'm good. You know? And they look for approval and they work around that. And then there's something even in being the youngest. The sort of the pet of the family, one that trails along the back, and no one's really watching, you know, and um, and 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 it, it, it's it's kind of there. It's in it's in being branded the black sheep of of the family as well. These are all parts and roles that we can embrace with long-range consequences, for good or for bad. Um, we can hear it. And we can then work on strengthening the way we play that role. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I've been processing. It's a little bit of an aside, but I've been processing why, since my mother died a year ago, why parts of my family have just blown up, kaboom, you know, doing stuff no one had ever ever seen. I've been spending a bit of time with the psychologist, going, "What is this?" And he's saying, "Look, it's incredibly." prevalent you know and he basically links back to when we're young there are things that we do to make sure that we get favorable attention and have favorable relationships with our parents and there's things that we do that keep it sweet between them and all the children have got a different way of doing that thing so it keeps them sweet with that and there's a whole lot in between there and when they die but basically when they're gone none of that is has to happen anymore and there can be something of a degrading. There can be a falling apart. There is no point to that anymore. And so this behaviour that they've run all their life can just slide out from under them. It's a really, really... That's a role that we played for our own benefit. We strengthen and work on the way we play the part. And this is called Acting. And to act is to pretend. And to act, essentially, can be to lie. We're pretending we're something that we are not. If you want to see the fullness and the beauty of that, watch the movie Galaxy Quest. It peaks on that point. Um, it's beautiful. Um, and many of, us have, many of us have been unknowingly sort of sticking to the script. And this is a little bit how it goes in our society, you know, across life. It's like study hard, you know, get a good job, not, not some halfway job, you know, in, in, in hospitality or at a servo. You know, sort of think, get a good job. You know, that's part of the script. Get promoted, win, win consistently. This is, this is what we see people doing, have the best gear, get the right partner, whatever that means. You know, this, this advice comes in, we see people get a house, stick to the one job, raise those kids amazingly, love them all, <laughs> every one of them, you know, uh, find a good school for them, invest well, uh, retire well, and if you can, stay trim and thin. <laughs> you know, that's kind of it. That's the script, that's the story that is happening around us en masse. Again and again and again we run into it. Um, 
And we even attach things to particular age. I had somebody I've spoken to on the phone for years recently meet me in person. And they're like, oh, you're a lot older. And I'm like, I'm nearly 60. And, and it, something shifted. Uh, you're an old person. You should be behaving in a certain kind of way. You know, um, so we, we do do that. It's, it's even here in our church. It's here in church, you know. Um, you know, if somebody, if some, if, if, you know, hello, I'm the pastor. How you going? Kind of thing, you know. That's what we expect from pastor warmth and caring. But we expect something quite different from, hello, I'm the minister. How are the children? You know, good then. You know, and then we then we have the, the term priest. You know, bless you, my son. You know, name of the father. Go in peace to love and serve. Yes, I've always looked good in a frock. You know, it's uh, there's there's a certain there's something we attach to the role. You know, but they're all kind of doing the same job. You know, and then hey, I'm the youth pastor. You know, and I'm full of cool words. And you know, and everything's kind of a little pushed out. You know, and isn't it exciting? You know, and then there's. And then there's the elder, respectable. I'm an elder. <laughs> what a joke. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's like uh, I, I work against that term all the time. I kind of I love, I don't mind the title, but I, I hate what is expected, you know, because I, I need to follow God's leading. I cannot love everybody the same, but I can love where God leads me. You know, and it means I'll neglect some and pour heaps in there, you know, and I'll be friendlier to some than to others, but there's this expectation on the elder, and, you know, and then, you know, hello, I'm a deacon, you know, <laughs> you know just deacon around, um, sort of thing, being a bit of a deacon. Um, then there's, you know, hello, I'm the organist, you know, there's the organist, and then there's the worship leader. I'm a worship leader. I'm a worshipper. You know, and there's, we have these expectations of the role, of these roles, and people are pressuring us to fit into them, or we're seeing the way that other people do, and we're pressuring ourselves to fit into them, and we slowly lose ourselves. You know, we slowly lose ourselves, and this is where the creep is. You know, people that knew us as a child knew us. God knows this is a child. I think there's something there unless you become like a little child. You can't enter the kingdom of God. You're off track. You're distracted playing these games. You're distracted playing this role that you're being given that is not entirely you. I remember when I changed from being designer to being a truck driver, there was a woman that kind of knew me and when she found out I was being a truck driver, she just stood in front of me and went, what are you? What are you? She just kept saying it. I eventually went, I don't even know what you mean. She went, what are you? And I, went, I eventually said, I'm, I'm still Ross, you know, Morgan sort of thing. She said, yeah, but what are you? And it was open contempt for me having made a shift because I was a designer. Why would you give that up? You know, to be invisible in fluoro. You know, it, it was just, why would you do that? You know, she, it, 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 my job to her prescribed so strongly who I was. I'm not, I'm not that. It was just something I was playing as well. It was just a role I took on, you know, it's a, with varying success. You know, I'm not a truckie. I'm not a trucker. I'm Ross. I'm here. It's in here. Beautiful me. You know, I'm not defined by what I wear or what I drive or who I work with or what industry I'm in at all. Um... 
Yeah. But we, we, we play these roles. And I reckon between the age of 13 and 33 is about where we lose the most. Because that's when we're watching everybody the most. That's when we're doing the most of our copying sort of thing. And you meet someone in their 30s and there's already some turbulence underlying their questions. They know that something's a little amiss and then you meet them in their 40s and they have what we call a midlife crisis. That's because they've figured out that everything they've done back there, all the roles they're playing and things aren't working. It's just not working. And they are not being true to themselves and those of us who've watched them grow up, we know it. But we don't say it because everyone has to find that way on their own. You know, but we love them. We love them. We love them. I've, before I go on to that, that second, the way we lose our identity, I've got a beautiful friend who's recently just come into a whole lot of freedom. He's finally had the courage to pull out of a crushing marriage. And he is starting to run. <laughs> he's starting to run and he's starting to find himself. And there's people around him who've known him since he was young and we are affirming things that we haven't seen for a long, 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 long time. And it's just beautiful. And because of that freedom and because of that beauty and because all the tension's gone, he has time for people. And so all these men in particular are flocking to him. You know, and he, he, so he's coming to me and going, Roscoe, I, they're all coming to me. You know, and it's kind of... I'm telling them my own story and, I'm, and things like that. And, but I'm also getting lost in all their stories and things. And, and so we talk about this because it's really important to him. It's crucial to him. And one of the beautiful things that I learned that I still run with, you know, in talking with men or listening to people's story is if you want to rescue the man, you've got to go after the boy. It's all there. And God goes after the child in us, these little ones, you know. And, and that, for him, is just a bit of an anchor to hang the whole thing. It's a hook to hold the whole thing on. The other, secondly, the other way that we lose our identity or our identity gets stolen from us, our identity theft happens, uh, are in these moments when we can possibly lose whole chunks of our identity quite rapidly, Instantly. Um, and that's in the times where there's the big hits, the proper traumas, you know, where life really, really sort of T-bones us, where everything, everything is so sharply set against you that it creates something of a perfect storm. Yeah? And that was what was happening around me when the Facebook account got hacked. And it was so obvious because a few people were watching me because I shared it with just one or two, three, and they almost laughed at it. Like it was, it was almost, it was an overplay of the hand, wasn't it, Andrew? And Andrew's like, this trying to steal your identity, man. He saw through to the heart of it because he was on the outside of me, you know? And it reflected back in by him and one or two others. It's like, I see this. You know, fortunately I did, but there are, there, there are times when the searing, sudden movement of voices and actions and people and atmosphere around you hits you so hard, you don't know where you're gonna, quite where you're going to end up. And it's here, it's here in this moment that we make vows of the heart. 
This is, this is where it happens. It's an untidy moment and it's, we are centrifugal in our nature. Stuff, we are incredibly vulnerable. Yeah? Uh, this is when we make vows of the heart to either harden or to never do that again or to never allow, I will never let that, those kind of things, their vows of the heart or I will never trust that kind of person or I will not give my heart to anyone or this, these types or those types again or I will, I'm going to shelter it a little, I'm going to step back, I'm going to step back from that visible place, I'm going to step back from being beautiful and happy and glorious. You know, there's, that happens. Um, moments where we're faced with the profundity and the vastness of our own lack, our own emptiness, our own pain, our own shortcomings, where it's all there, you know, in vivid colour, in IMAX size. Um, a deep wound happens in a moment. And it's really, it's really beautiful. I've actually heard a few psychologists, even non-Christian ones, talk about, and some of them have actually used the term God-given nature. You know, like we all have a God-given nature. We are the way we are. It's really, really hard to change kind of who we are. It's there in the boy. It's there in the girl. We can't really change who we are. It's just us. You know, and it's the way that God has delighted to make us, yeah? It's beautiful. You know, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You saw my unformed body. It's all there. It's just beautiful. I am incredibly and wonderfully made. I am me. I am exquisite. I'm amazing and uh, incredibly unique. And all that was there in your prayer, Andrew. Thank you for that as you prayed for the men. It was good, and yet how easily we are robbed of it. Um, so here's the freebie as I kind of inch my way towards finish. When you are in trauma or trouble or loss, you are at your most vulnerable. That's when we're under verbal attack or when control or choice are taken from us, when our hearts and bodies, beliefs, our beloved ones even have been disrespected or violated. We are incredibly vulnerable when the things that we have held dear have been ripped from our hands without any choice, raped, burnt, run over, smashed to a pulp, when everything beautiful around us has turned to ash, blackened, humiliated and sad, we are vulnerable. Because every single time at this point, and this is at the heart of all our, mo all our stories, our great stories. Every time at this point we can go either that way or that way. In talking with a mate about watershed movements, it's where we either decide to go that way or that way. Do we go onwards, upwards? Do we become the better man or woman? Do we find strength to forgive or do we just go downstream and hate and into bitterness and into unforgiveness and we become the lesser man or the lesser woman. Yeah, every time, and every time we get there, we can lose heart. There's the potential for us to go either way. 
and heaven holds its breath. <gasps> and while heaven holds its breath, our enemy is already in there with knives. Yeah? Stabbing us, making, wanting to make us bleed out right there at that point. That's the nature of our enemy. He is the bad guy and doesn't know how to do anything else. He's just incredibly crafty. At times when these things sneak up on us, these things hit us so hard, we don't know where we are. You know? Our daughter was involved in a T-bone, a red light run. Poof! Three girls in the back and a mum. You know, and I was just nearby and came in before... uh, fire brigade and police and anyone arrive. You know, there's a car in the front of a bank and here's their car over here facing way up the road from where they came from. You know, and there's three crying girls and a mum. You know, and it's like, they didn't know where they were. I'm to that, I went and hugged that mum, a complete stranger. Didn't know who I was until she kind of, eventually came to says, why am I hugging a strange man in the street? You know, it's like we don't know where we are when those big T-bones hit. And we can go in any, we can make vows and decisions inside in any moment. You know, I'm never going to drive again or I'm never going to carry children or I'm going to upgrade to a massive car that's going to cost me a fortune. That kind of fear, we react out of fear. As heaven holds its breath. I haven't, all along, I haven't quite known how to finish this. Um, I guess it's except to um, close your eyes with me. Uh, Father, um, there's things that we need to see. Uh, There's things that we need to see. The things that we really need to see are Jesus in our own stories and in some of the stories of those near and close to us, Father. And Holy Spirit, you come, you love to reveal these things. And so we do. We want to give you open permission on our stories and on our lives to show us these things. I stand here to show you these things. We knock on your door. We knock on your door, Jesus. And you love to open it. (laughs) Open the door, Uh, Holy Spirit, guide the thoughts and thinking of our hearts as we just kind of take this and hold it um, in Jesus' name. Don't move, don't move. What...